0: welcome to this episode of Cargofax Connect, the podcast of Cargofax, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm Jeff Lee, editor of Cargofax, and it's Friday, the 11th of August. This week, I checked in with Chris Sutter, CEO of Avensis Aviation, which has developed STCs for Class E cargo mods on A330s and is now working on its next tier of product, a full conversion for the A340. So, how, how's it going? It's been a few uh, months since uh, I saw you uh, in Panama. How have you been?
1: Hi, Jeff, how are you? Um, it's been it's been busy, uh, as usual, but yeah, um, very, very good. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking, and
0: thank you very much for, for having me here today. Yeah, no, thank you for joining us. So, you know, in, in Panama, you officially launched um, your A340 um, conversion, your Navis um, product. Maybe let's just um, dive into that a bit more, and perhaps you can start by just taking us back to when this this project uh, basically started. Um, what what were you thinking back then, and, and how long had it been um, in the works?
1: So, when I think I had to take it back when we started Avances as a company, we we understood that the market um, was taking an interesting direction in terms of uh, diversification or diversification of aircraft platforms and and uh, the type of conversions required and um, when it came to the full the full conversion as we call it we call it the full because we have different intermediate uh, p2f products in our in our portfolio but the full conversion with essentially the main cargo door and the cargo loading system um was an interesting market at the time because there was only multiple mission conversions of aircraft that are designed to take different type of loads and running loads on the floor, which gives a lot of versatility. But as a result of that, you end up with with a relatively heavy baseline aircraft or a freighter aircraft and um and we understood that the e-commerce was was a market that was re- requiring uh, it was very very heavy on volume let's say or very biased towards volume but comparatively relatively lower in weight and um we decided to start developing a full main cargo door conversion targeted to the express market on the platform of a intermediate uh, wide body platform that we believe at the time is is going to be the, the most important one in the next 20 years which is the Airbus a 330 um and obviously the 330 is a sibling or sister sister aircraft to the 340 obviously there are differences in terms of the you know twin versus quad engine quad jet engine and, and st and type certificate and things like that but essentially for what we were modifying or developing to modifying the aircraft was the same as it's the same cross-section same fuselage so it's actually geometrically the door was was the same so we started to develop both programs at the same time and we quickly realized there was a niche market of operators that wanted to use the 340 for certain specific missions and they didn't have a product um, for a full door conversion in the market because all the attention was gearing towards the 330 rightfully so obviously because the aircraft with the biggest Bit stock, um, whereas the three hundred and forty is a bit more of a niche niche uh, market aircraft. But uh, for us, being a, a you know agile and flexible um, company, um, we we realized that our you know philosophy of family design and engineering was was perfectly perfectly suitable to do the three hundred and forty spin off development from the three hundred and thirty, uh, and and eventually we we um, secure a launch customer, and that's um, that's a program is taking. The, the head start over the um, development and certification for the door program in the 340.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, certainly the the choice um, of the A340 is an interesting one. Um, and you are doing both um, the 300 and the 600, right? Yes, correct. So h- how would you um, kind of compare the, the, the two subtypes?
1: Well, it's interesting because, you know, 340, 300 has a direct, um, comparison or you know direct technical equivalent on the three thirty three hundred. I've saved the distances we mentioned earlier about the different of engine differences in engine numbers and engine types. But um, fuselage length is exactly the same. Cross section is the same. So is a very similar uh, development to the three thirty three hundred. Whereas the six hundred, it's a longer aircraft. Um, obviously different engine options and and different payload and different landing gears. So. Essentially, it's, uh, it it shares a lot of familiarities, and uh, because it's still a stretched version of a of a of a 300, but to achieve that that length, which is still until the triple seven nine get starts commercial service, it still is the longest aircraft in 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 commercial service. Um, so it it makes it structurally wise very different than the 300 variant. So it's um, essentially it's doing two programs in one. Let's say.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, um, but the uh, the kind of feedstock call, um, as you say, is a bit smaller. Now, how many um, feasible uh, feedstock candidates um, would you say there there are?
1: Well, you know, it's, if, if you start to scout around the data from different, you know, aircraft intel agencies, and you, you have different variations in, in numbers of which of them are, how many still, Remain nowadays, and how many are in a worthy condition? How many are? I think the key element here is how many of the reminder feedstock are a sensible business case to be con- converted. I will just spin it mm-hmm. from that point of view, because technically speaking, it comes a point in the airframe life that uh, if you have to put so much money, you know, go past a D check or or you know put it into a maintenance con- uh, condition that um, that will make it a, a sound you know baseline for for a conversion that might not necessarily resist a business case in the end. So I think from that from that point of view, there's a, there's a, an interesting amount of aircraft that can still be converted. Um, still, we're talking about niche numbers, but we're talking about the region right. of thirty to forty aircraft, uh, potentially more. Uh, and just um, and, and those numbers are modern enough to keep yourself busy for some time. Let's say, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Obviously, um, it pales it pales in comparison with a fit stock of a three thirty. But we're just talking about different different missions yeah. of these aircraft and different operator types. So. You know, we all know that uh, an operator that loves a 330 might not necessarily favor a 340 and vice versa.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and I, I know you also um, intend to basically extend this, um, or eventually move on to the A330, don't you?
1: Well, yeah, that's, uh, like I said earlier in the conversation, we we started working on both, um, yeah. and we were still working on, on, on 330. We have we have interest in in, on our solution as well, um, because from the standpoint of scalability, we have customers already have Medius and they are thinking and upgrading that to a Navis um, so that it's it's um, basically the next the next um, the next phase for the 330 Navis development. Mm
0: -hmm. So um, just where where are you um, on the Navis for the A340? What's what's the um, the latest?
1: so in in program terms and in program acronyms, that we in aviation, we love to use. Um, yeah. We are past PDR and we are approaching CDR, which is uh, which is a quite advanced stage of development. Obviously, like i said, we we have been developing this this solution for some time on our own r and d. Um, having a launch customer, what it brings is the specifics of an aircraft MSN and the specifics of a baseline configuration. Um uh, so then you start to, to work around that um to move it forward into um receiving the STC. So mm-hmm. we are roughly around that phase of the program, which is um which is relatively quite advanced if you take into if you take into account when we announced it officially. But yeah. needless to say, we've been working on the background for some time. So
0: mm. I think I saw a picture of um, what I think is the first um, aircraft. It, it, they uh, they painted it in their your customer painted it in their colors. Um, so um, yeah. Also, you you recently um, obtained the your STC your EAS STC for Medius um, your intermediate product on the A330 300. How would you assess that um, and compare that with the two hundred, which you got certification for, was it was last year, wasn't it?
1: Yes, we we, we had it in September. We got the STC for the, the Dash two hundred. Remember, correctly, it was September last year, and then yeah. we we soon after we had it for the three hundred. Uh, I mean, essentially the same aircraft, different length. Obviously, you you have a a major change in the STC because it's a longer aircraft, different weight and balance. Obviously, and that that drives uh, the change of the STC. Um, between 200 and 300 there are minor differences in the ecs system but um i think all the experience that we we had developing the 200 which just it, it was direct transfer to the 300 so it was a, it was a quite um yeah, seamless transition uh to obtain the stc in both variants and you know i'm happy to say that we were the only conversion house that, that created the concept and certified both both variants at the same time so um yeah. it was it was for the, for the challenging the challenges point of view, we have two different baseline aircraft. You know, when, when you start on a on a three hundred and thirty, you can either get a classic interior or an enhanced interior, which changes some bits and bobs behind what you can see uh, in terms of you know brackets and, and and supporting structure that we reutilized for the modification. Um, I think that we we started with a with a classic and an enhanced the two hundred, and then we end up with an enhanced the three hundred. But um, I think that uh, other than that, it was a continuation of our design philosophy and the application of different variants.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, um, overall, what's the kind of demand for each of those types right now and and generally for these kinds of um, reversible uh, modifications?
1: I think that for the... We'll start with the first part of the question the 300 as a, as a 330 has more appeal to operators nowadays because of obvious reasons in terms of uh, you know uh, increase of payload and, and, and volume um, especially nowadays that the the yields have come down to more historical value it was still higher than pre covid days but we all knew that the the height of the pandemic was was driving values that they were not sustainable uh, and at some point things were going to calm down into more um, um, let's say normalized um, you know, yields and 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 cost per kilo um, and profit per kilo as well. So that makes a 300 slightly more appealing platform um, to operate now because you can get more capacity out of it um, and at the end of the day the, the, the difference in fuel consumption is not that notorious. Um, when it comes to reversible conversions, I think that our long-term plan was always to develop and certify the intermediate conversion to provide that flexibility That flexibility to manage your assets in terms of if there were freight demand, you can turn it seasonally uh, into freight or aircraft. If you have PAX demand, you can turn it into a PAX. Still operating that as a Class C without restrictions or use that as a scale-up entry-level product um, and, and fly it to generate cargo, cargo revenue or commercial cargo revenue, while the let's say Navis with the full door um, conversion kit was being manufactured, and the aircraft could be induced at a later date. So, for for our point of view, the strategy was very clear. At some point, the height of the demand for reversible aircraft that we had, let's say last year, uh, was going to calm down, um, especially when the passenger demand was was picking up again, like like it did, but. Um, we were not concerned about it because that was always part of our product strategy we knew that we couldn't um you know at, attack the market from it from an intermediate or mid-term point of view so the the reversible mod still plays a very key role into our customers or future customers that at some extent will have to wait for a couple of years to get uh, induced our aircraft um that means they can have a freighter available even if not the ability to load in pallets and containers, but they still have a freighter available to operate it. Um, whilst then they can get the waiting list for the upgrade with the door, and that's something then again that is not offerable in the market other than other than what we can offer as a as a part of the advances product portfolio.
0: Right, um, and speaking of of waiting, uh, you know many conversion um, providers uh, have kind of experienced uh, delays with whether that's to do with the manufacture of kits um, labor issues um, all kinds of challenges how, how are you um how do you envision uh, dealing with these challenges well more than
1: vision we're we're dealing with them head on <laughs> on a day-to-day basis right, yeah. with our, with our current customers um what i mean by this is uh, you know the industry is all interconnected we are well I I always say the same thing we're a big family so you know with with the pickup or the sudden I wouldn't call it sudden but the not really anticipated um pickup on the passenger demand because all the projections we're talking about passenger numbers that we have today maybe in 2024 and of 2024 so it has been it's been quite quick to ramp up that's put a lot of pressure on new aircraft deliver- deliveries that were interrupted during COVID. So resuming a supply chain that was interrupted during COVID is not something that you just can turn on and off. So it, it takes a ramp up time. And that is the same global supply chain that OEMs, manufacturing new aircraft, and all of all the P2F conversion houses doing whichever product line. This is not only applicable to, you know, mid-sized white body, you know, we, we yeah. have a great relationship with uh, our competitors are doing other other product lines, like 737s that we don't do, and you know, discussing sometimes the common challenges is that we are all tapping into the same suppliers for some components. Um, and, um, and I think that we are all working together to to mitigate um, s- situations that, you know, you, you have availability of certain raw materials that have been all purchased in advance by the two large OEMs for the next two years, and then that leaves the rest of us um, in a, in a delicate situation, but then again, that's part of how you manage the supply chain and, and how how you can work together with the suppliers to create that uh, redundancy in the in the systems. And you know, it, we're happy to say that we we have done a lot of um, you know purchasing in advance and, and 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 a lot of hedging of materials in advance and anticipating our demand, so we could navigate some of the challenges. But I think it has to be said that um, one of the good things about the aviation industry is a how resilient we are and how good we are incorporating within each other because you know from the outside it can all be seen that we're all competing but uh, in the inside we are we are cooperating a lot um to to support each other because you know if i don't sell a 737 uh conversion because it's not in my portfolio i'm 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 really happy that my competitors are 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 able to deliver their products because at the end of the day they're supporting the, the freight industry which i'm i'm part of so um we all win if we all work together and i think that that's that's been one of the way forwards within this uh, to manage the supply chain crisis. is working together and collaborating, and 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 the same applies to to the um, the manpower and human resources as well. So um, I think you know, Touchwood, um, I'm 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 happy to say that we haven't been that deeply affected, but we had our challenges, like most of you know people involved doing doing things, not only P2F and other other. Other components for the for the aviation industry,
0: right? And uh, um, when you're evaluating uh, possible facilities uh, to carry out your your um, conversions, we've also um, been hearing about uh, how MRO uh, companies, now that the, the the passenger market has has rebounded so strongly, they're kind of uh, prioritizing um, their resources and and um, preferring in a way uh, more lucrative um, MRO projects um mostly for the passenger side um when you know in the past or during the pandemic they obviously um, turned to free to conversion work as as a an avenue for for revenue
1: well yeah that, that that's an interesting point i think when when the height of the pandemic you know hit the 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 operation of passenger flights as we all know came to a halt so that meant that MROs didn't they have a lot of workforce and capacity they just didn't have anything to fill them up so p2f become a, as a, a lifeline to to keep those um that capacity um going obviously now there's a bit of a you know balancing in the in the request from between passenger um return to service uh, or, or out of deep storage maintenance uh, on top of the normal maintenance of of, of your of your shuttle, so if you have a flight plan, you you, you have your maintenance shuttle to do with your your uh, fleet that is online, uh, and then on top of that you have the conversions. But then again, it's all to do with with carefully planning things because let's not forget the fact that the days of that level of urgency during the pandemic that we all had as in. I I need your the freighter aircraft for yesterday, so. You know we're all running to to get supply chain gear up and and then get the conversions um, up to speed. All that has calmed down. and and then I, I can guarantee I wouldn't guarantee, but I can venture that though, or predict, let's say that's the right word, that this craze now to to quite quick maintenance or or like deep storage maintenance um to get your fleet back online to to cater for passenger demands. that's going to eventually even out and calm down. And then we will end up in this normality where there were slots allocated to uh, seasonal maintenance for um, for commercial aircraft to passenger aircraft. And there were slots dedicated to, to we call it heavy maintenance or the heavy checks, similar to what a P2F conversion requires. In our particular case, then again, the door program is something that hits mid to long term. Um, and that's the difference I want to establish we're out of the pandemic zone now. So that urgency is not there anymore. So you need to play that. Mid to long-term um, ability or, or capacity request or demands um, in 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 the right planning. So therefore, mm, you know, the MROs have the ability to turn around the more urgent maintenance requests from passenger aircraft and still be able to commit to deliver a P2F conversion line. Let's say in a year, year and a half down the line. So it's it's all all to do with planning because at the end of the day, you need we all understand that suppliers are our uh, MROs and suppliers are our partners. And they are now living that that surge in demand from the commercial aviation industry, on the airlines industry, that we were actually uh, they were quite similar to what demands we were placing on them two years ago. So now mm-hmm. it's a moment, it's, it's a moment to uh, you know understanding where the limitations are and working together with them in in, in a carefully crafted planning, so they can they can remain in business and, and and everyone else as well. So I think that that that's the key element. It's it's just the planning, and and for us then again we we shifted from the urgent, I want the P2F for yesterday to a more planned and carefully coordinated approach. So in that arena, we're not seeing many challenges for us in particular.
0: Good. Well, um, good. Best of luck to you uh, going forward. And we look forward to uh, covering your progress as always. Um, And uh, hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much, Chris. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Jeff. Thank you for having me. That was Chris Sutter, CEO of Aventis Aviation. And that's all for today. For more multimedia coverage like this, search CargoFax Connect on iTunes and Spotify and search CargoFacts.com. Thank you very much for tuning in and join us again next time.